And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. I've heard this thrown around, Aaron, and tell me if I'm wrong, if you, or if you haven't heard this. I've often heard, it descri- uh, I've often heard Star Trek described as a family show. A show about family? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I don't hear everyone describe it as such, but it is one of those things that it's thrown around a lot. Star Trek's a family show. Star Trek's a family show. Yeah. Um, people working on it describe, Gene, it's a family show. It's a family <laughs> show. It's a show about families. It's a show for the families. A show for all ages? Sure. Let's say that. Yeah. So if this is the case, this is what we're looking into, into today. So if this is the case, what about Star Trek makes it a family show, Aaron? Mm. Uh, a severe lack of the F word, I think, and up until very recently in Picard. <laughs> okay, no F-bombs. Well, we'll see if this episode gives us any insights as to what makes Star Trek show a family show, if it is one. Um, welcome to Star Trek Stories, everyone. Um, this is episode 18, Haven. Haven. Is this our first one-word title? Might be Haven. Um, as always, I am your illustrious host, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Hi, Jaron. How are you doing this good. fine Sunday? Now good. We just spent the last little bit trying to figure out how to make this setup work. Um, we, um, this is our first remote podcast episode where we have a remote guest with us today. And, um, we were ill prepared, uh, for how it was all going to work. So, you know, yeah, probably could have taken 30 minutes at some point during the week. Uh, I kind of forgot, uh, about Tuesday that, that our guest was going to be remote. Could have taken a look at that. Zoom is the way to go. Um, we are in the middle of our look at the growing pains of the next generation. Uh, last time we watched Hide and Q, where I think we had a good time with our good friends Q and Jake Barnes. Today, we have the last of the Hatch siblings with us on the show. Um, probably the person I've known longer than anyone except my parents. Um, my brother, Kai Hatch. Hello, Kai. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> yes, the last of the Hatch siblings. Um, so, yeah, so this is kind of fun because not only are you one of my siblings, but also you were, we are all kind of roommates together for a while. So, so Aaron has a little bit of lived experience with Kai as well. With the with the Hatch Bros. So I've said this before on the podcast, but you and I, like, I don't have a first memory of Star Trek like some people do. Like, it was just always there. TOS and TNG were playing since we were infants. And so it's just, it was always a thing. And I, and I think for you, it's a similar kind of thing. There is no first memory. Uh, yeah, I don't really recall any, like, any one particular instance of, like, when it was introduced or something. It's just... Like you said, it was always something that's just always been there and something we were always either watching or talking about, um, not necessarily just between you and me, but also um, our parents. They were talking to their friends at work about it. They were talking to us about it and stuff like that. So I think it was just a, 
something that was just always present. For sure. Um, and something I've kind of, what's been interesting, interesting to me over the years is, um, I mean, for reasons we won't really go into too much at all, but, um, like we don't really talk with our parents a whole lot. Um, but on the occasions that I do oftentimes Star Trek comes up and that's kind of what we talk about Star Trek. Um, and with you Kai, you know, without getting too much in the weeds on this, but like, say for example, you and I are on different, I mean, we agree on some things, but you and I are on different ends of like a political spectrum. You're like more on like of a libertarian. I'm more of a leftist. We don't agree on everything, but there's still this kind of shared language of Star Trek where we can kind of come together and even like talk about things using Star Trek as like a shared medium. Would you, would you say that feels accurate to you? Yeah, I think, I mean, because the nature of Star Trek is all about, you know, the human experience about humans, how they, how they live, how, how they perceive things and stuff. Um, you know, and very, very definitely throughout uh, Star Trek as a franchise. You know, the one of the main points is always, you know, how how do these different groups of people uh, come to compromise, or how do they interact with each other? Um, you know, first contact with other species. Uh, you know, is an, an obvious example. And uh, you know, there there are things that need to be discussed and hashed out and. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of various diplomatic, uh, you know, avenues that that have to be taken care of. You know, and so that can get uh, applied to to our our reality. You know, uh, when talking to other people or engaging in interpersonal relationships and stuff like that. You know, because uh, because so many things in Star Trek are relatable intrinsically. Um, a lot of that carries over into into conversations that you can have with other people who may not necessarily agree on certain viewpoints of things, you know, but you can use that as a common ground um, and a basis, you know, to at least start a discussion or even continue a discussion. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's very applicable. I wonder if this is part of what people are talking about when Star Trek is a family show is that it's almost like going to Sunday school in a way where it's, but you know, in a non-religious way, it's like the whole family can gather around and, you know, and friends too, but adults and, and kids can come together and there's always this, not always, but what did we learn today? And you're almost kind of getting these kind of secular human humanist fables or, you know, it's almost like Bible stories, but for secular humanism is almost what Star Trek stories are, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? And now the parable of Picard and the flute. <laughs> and now the episode with Tiny Riker. Yeah, so I wonder if that's, I mean, and, chime, and please chime in, Kai. I mean, and we'll talk more about this when we come back, but we started being a family show. I wonder if to some degree that's kind of what people are talking about. Uh, yeah, my only uh, initial thought on that is that um, what you guys were just saying about, uh, you know, bringing people together. I think what it does is that it, levels it levels the playing field doesn't matter it doesn't matter you know race your uh age you know your background your knowledge it doesn't all all of those things when 
when actual Star Trek people get down and start discussing things, all of that goes out the window and everyone just gets distilled down to just, you know, a person, a human, you know, and, and it's like bypassing all of the, all of the craft that people have built up over, over the years, you know, a lot of that gets taken off and it, it's a lot easier to focus on, you know, the core things that really, I think all, all, all of the things that people actually want, yeah. um, you know, and so it's a good, it's a good tool of, you know, mediation kind of, uh, you know, to facilitate communication about people, you know, and I think that's why it, I wouldn't say it's a family show of, oh yeah, let's go sit down and watch the new Disney cartoon. It's, it's a family show in the sense of, uh, I think I think in general it can be used for all ages, but it's a family show in that, um, you know, the family is, you know, kind of like the the lowest denominator for you know just human existence. You know, you know that's your closest circle of of people that you know, um, you know, and, and so I would say that watching Star Trek is. You know, because it's applicable so widely across human life in general. But you know, the family is kind of like that microcosm of just life. You know, if like you were to distill all the people in on the or, on the earth down, you know, you would probably distill it down into a family. You know, this this unit of different viewpoints, but we're all kind of connected still. Um, you know, and so I think that's why it works on kind of the more higher level of, of a family show, but also on the lower level of a show, you know, where maybe, maybe this family is on say all different political spectrums or something, you know, but in the, in the tunnel vision view, they can all talk together about Star Trek and the, and the concepts they're in, but it can also get applied to, you know, you could say the human family um, in general. And so if you can, t- if you take the phrase a, hu- a family show I think then it works for Star Trek, um, not necessarily as you know. This is this is what I'm going to do with my small kids. There's 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 too many levels to Star Trek where uh, you could get into like full depth like that, like any other sort of classical cartoon or you know Pixar kids movie or something like that. It does a great job of exploring relationships, and that all the characters are so diverse uh, in Star Trek really shows that that struggle of of these evolved quote-unquote humans like dealing with their instincts yet still like finding diplomatic solutions with these diverse cultures from all over the galaxy yeah it really speaks to to human struggle here on earth just in that once removed science fictiony way and no f-bombs none not one And it shows, yeah, how to communicate effectively and honestly as a family unit, potentially, because these people have to work together as a work family. Then they have to exist together as a off the clock family as well, seeing each other on the ship uh, 24-7. Humans have a way, and I guess aliens and all beings have a way of finding a way to just put all that uh, great culture and diversity aside and bring the work to the table and get the job done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting answers. Um, well, 
I guess it's time to see how early TNG does with its establishing itself as a family show. Um, so let's get into it. Um, and once again, this is going to be Haven we're watching today. Um, this aired November 30th, 1987. 87? Yep. Um, this is the... This is the fifth episode produced for the first season, so this is still a pretty early one for TNG. Um, this is the first appearance of Loxana Troy in the Star Trek franchise. Um, so far, we've had a recurring adversary or two. Um, I think this might be our first like recurring non-adversary character that we've that we'll be coming across. Loxana Troy is, of course, Deanna Troy's mom and played by the first lady of Star Trek, Majel Barrett, Majel Barrett Roddenberry, um, also known as Nurse Chapel, also known as Number One, also known as the Enterprise Computer, and also known as Gene Roddenberry's wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting paid. You're getting paid. Um, so the big question um, with the episode, how, how well... Do they do introducing the character of Loxana Tr Troy? She is a franchise character, not just a next generation character. Um, and how do they do setting up the idea of family dynamics in Star Trek? Um, does family storytelling work in Star Trek? Um, we'll see when we come back. Um, this is your invitation to watch at home. Um, Star Trek The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can find it by bringing up season one, Episode 11, we will be back after watching Haven. seems a fine young man yes he does but i'm not what he expected i don't understand neither do i but i'm definitely a surprise of some sort to him i should warn you sir my mother is a little eccentric Everyone. Oh, I hate that. <sighs> Hello, Mother. No, don't say it. Think it. Use your mind, not your mouth. Hello, Mother. Diana, shame. What has this life done to you? No, no, no. 
Don't tell me. You're the captain. Of course. Your daughter has explained your telepathic abilities. Now, that wasn't telepathy. It was just common sense. Who else would they send to greet me but the captain? Oh, you may carry my luggage. Mother? No, no. That's quite all right. I'm indebted to your mother for the fine counselor she... Well, speaking of Alaska, um, should we talk about Haven? <laughs> what? What's the For some, you that? know. For some, Alaska is quite the haven. Oh, oh yeah, yes. quite the haven. It's yeah. the Wild West in a lot of ways, still. Yes. Um, we we always talk about initial thoughts. Um, first, Kai, initial thoughts. My initial initial thoughts was it was actually I mean I know that Haven is one of like people would consider it part of the quote bad Star Trek episodes, um, mm-hmm. um you know and I haven't seen it I think I've seen it maybe only once or twice in my entire life but it was at least fifteen years ago probably longer than that um you know and I actually uh liked it better than I remembered. In what way? Um, I think it's probably just uh, viewpoint and stuff. Um, so I think Luxwana Troy is a case in point of this because people see her and they just think, wow, this is just the worst, most annoying, poorly written character forever. Um, you know, if you don't have a lot of experience and stuff like that, um, maybe if you're younger, you just think, oh, this woman is so dumb. Like, yeah, why let's get she... back to the pupus and the yeah. aliens and the cool yeah, stuff. exactly. But I think, um, I think the older I've become now, and a lot of my other viewpoints that I've discussed earlier, um, but looking at her now, um, you kind of think, you know, I can actually almost, I don't know if relates the right word, but I can definitely understand her a lot more. Um, you know, she obviously still is just like she loves just being the center of attention and jabbing everyone and trolling everyone and stuff like that. You know, but there's always going to be people that are like that. But you know, if you if you think about it more critically um, about her character, uh, 
you know, she has pretty, she has an in, extremely strong character just from watching, just from sitting or just from seeing her beeman initially. Um, you put like all of her depth, all of her breadth, everything. It's like, you can already know what's going to happen. Like you already know what's going to happen, but it's not in the sense of like, well, she's not curious anymore or like, she's not interesting anymore, but it's like, you know what to expect. And now this is it, like, it gives you, gives you some constraints to learn about going forward. And so it's kind of, it's actually thinking about all of Star Trek. Now it's kind of a fun uh, journey that you take learning with her. If you actually just give it, give her uh, essentially, you know, give her a chance or whatever. Um, you know, and so there's a lot more depth under underneath the like, initial annoyance or whatever and so watching this episode was essentially uh that's what that's what i was thinking the whole time um so maybe it's kind of apt that she this is her introductory episode you know but if you kind of take this episode at first glance um and you and you watch it a lot of i can see where you know the stereotypical response of oh this is bad star trek this is dumb this is boring um you know but there's a lot of themes in this episode I mean, if they could, if I think if they had more time, I mean, well, I mean, I guess the concept material that I noticed is stuff that would need to get spread over multiple episodes, multiple seasons. You know, it's just it's so core to just interacting with humans on a very base level, um, because you know like lot, humans are social creatures and you know we need interaction as much as people say they don't or whatever you know but like we we live in a social society and and you know we need that and how to deal with that is like you know one of the most primary things that you that life is about you know coming back to like the humanism things like how how do you interact with people that necessarily uh you don't agree with or uh you know don't see eye to eye on and you know it, it can go various ways you know you can you can fight about it you know you can try and talk about it or just ignore each other you know and you kind of saw all of these concepts throughout the entire episode you know based on you know i guess exemplified by different characters you know uh picard just dealt with it you know he's like okay i'm not gonna I'm not gonna give this woman any more ammunition to work with and just deal with it you know the the parents of uh, what's what's dude's name? Teabag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Teabag from uh, Prison Break. Prison Break. Yeah. Wyatt. Yeah, Wyatt. Oh, yeah, Wyatt. Yeah. So, so Wyatt's parents—they're like super combative. They're the super combative aspect. Uh, Data is like super intrigued. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. Troy. Troy is obviously the most distraught. Uh, you know, and then I guess. I guess the rest of the crew, like Riker and Yar and stuff, they're kind of amused by it. You know, it's, they're not, you know, they get to observe the train wreck without having to be involved in it. Uh, so, you know, and so there was all these different, you know, all of these different use cases that you can relate to directly just in day-to-day life of, you know, just from this one character that seemingly, seemingly, uh, you know, is annoying and shallow and stuff. But if you think, if you go back to that episode, she's definitely the, like the glue or like the focal point of that entire episode. She, 
because her character is is presented as so strong already um you know she can be used as as a mechanism to uh grow characters on the rest of the show she's um, more like like a, a rogue wave or a hurricane that that yeah, forces it forces everybody to like deal with their shit around right her, right, right. It, and it just takes everyone back to, you know, being a human again, you know? And so one thing that I really liked about this episode is like you said, let's get back to the pew pew and the aliens and stuff like that, you know, but this episode really brings Star Trek back down to, you know, the starting points of, you know, just how, how do we communicate with people? How do we interact with people? I mean, I mean, there's, because there's so many different dynamics in this episode on, on a people level, there's, you know, like, Troy and her mom from, you know, child parent perspective, there's marriage, uh, you know, then there's work and versus family relationships. There's the, there's the whole plot with uh, the alien ship and the planets, you know, there's just like so many different interactions happening in this episode at once. It was a lot deeper than I, than I remembered, you know, maybe things that you only think about when you're trying to think about something critically or if you're older or whatever. So all of that being said, uh, that's why I was ple- more pleasantly surprised watching it. Is as on the surface, it's such a shallow kind of throwaway episode. You know, it's like oh yeah, the gimmicks and the ha-has, whatever. But if you actually think about it, there's a lot of there's a lot of core human Star Trek concepts that are presented, whether directly or indirectly. And so I really like that. Uh, Aaron, initial thoughts on him? Oh geez, how do you follow that? <laughs> uh, man, what is with Troy's uniforms? <laughs> what is with Troy's character? What is with Troy? What what is with Troy? <laughs> so many questions. I don't know. Just the one question, really. Uh, the captain kind of just seemed aloof and almost like he wanted to hide in this episode. He did not look like he was having fun. Maybe he was sick or something. Yeah. It, Tying it back to family, the original question, it it seems like maybe they they fell back on some classic tropes because they had to. So they just made it like a little family drama episode uh, with a little forbidden love in there as a twist. Is it Waxana or Laxwana? Waxana? Waxana. Waxana. L-W. Waxana. Waxana. Troy. <laughs> what a character what uh, yeah and mrs roddenberry ex mrs roddenberry mm. what a what a force to be reckoned with in the star trek universe she's she just pops up everywhere and she's so great every time especially as troy like this character is just so over the top it reminds me of my grandma sherry a lot uh just talking to everybody and having her opinion and uh, my grandma was much friendlier than than troy was but was very outspoken like this certainly her most memorable character i would say mm-hmm. what whether you like her or not certainly the most memorable uh what is this episode even about <laughs> that's kind of my feel that's kind of my feeling on it is i think this episode is I don't know, academically interesting like in theory um i just don't think it goes anywhere or 
I think I think Kai is right in when you say there's so many like like themes and ideas yeah. that this can bring up. Like lots of little things that could go somewhere and drive it forward, but they never really take it any of those directions. Yeah. But there is a ton in there to to unravel and to think about. But what is it about? Family? 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 Um, is it about family, Jaron? Tell me. Tell me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like it's. Uh, there's a lot of little you know, little nitpicky things you could do about this one for certain. And throughout the whole episode, I think we are laughing at lots of little elements about it. I think fundamentally for me where it falls apart is like the last act or so. Um, Cause most of the story has been about up to this point, the conflict and tension between Deanna and Wyatt and then Riker, like being connected to Troy and how he feels, and then Deanna's mom, and then Wyatt's parents, like about this wedding that no one's really sure about, but everyone's going through with, and you know, it's like, look looking at family obligation and professional obligation or whatever, which is a fine. I don't think I don't know if the execution is amazing, but you know, it's it's, it's interesting. It's, but then the last act, act and a half, is when it just really just turns into suddenly Wyatt's story of, here's my destiny, which has nothing to do with anything else. And it feels just like such a short change of an ending. It's like nothing actually got resolved in this. He goes off to his little spaceship where people are essentially worshiping him. It feels like Gene Roddenberry's inner 14-year-old it's like, wouldn't it be awesome if, like, yeah, I guess I'm, like, engaged to this really hot girl. But I'm only kind of into her. But you know what? You're No, you're beautiful. You're just not my literal dream girl that I've, you know, drawn pictures about and I love. But that's okay. You know, you're cool. And you're, yeah, you're beautiful. Like, you're incredibly beautiful, I guess. But then it's like, guess what, Wyatt? Your, your dream woman literally exists. And not only that, like they're on a spaceship where there's like eight other people who they all apparently like have been waiting for you. They're drawing pictures about you. And it's like, goodbye, my family obligations. Goodbye, everything. I'm off to go live with my little harem worship spaceship. And, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's this adolescent fantasy come true. That's the note the episode ends on. And I feel like it short changes, even if you weren't crazy about it, it just short changes everything the episode had been about up to this point. And they just kind of play it off with this one little quick scene of Troy like, oh, by the way, Wyatt, everything's all connected and it's awesome. Go do it. Thanks, Troy's mom. It's such a weird, I feel like cop out. And then it's like, well, I guess I can stay with the ship. All right. Well, whoop. To our next destination. Car just has no problem. It's like, let's just move on, please, please. Anything else? Um, Starbase for repairs? <laughs> Anyone? Can we watch the news? Whatever the hell that was, it ended up meaning nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a non-issue. Um, 
so I just feel like it just it all falls flat in the end because the climax has nothing to do with anything the episode has been about to this point um so for me it's a little frustrating in that any potential like themes and ideas because I like the idea of all these weird family and professional obligations all getting mixed up and just like like you say Kai this human drama that's playing out it just ends on a completely different note that has nothing to do with anything and it's just such a weird choice for me um i don't know so i guess it for me is like things are in conflict so um but i i think academically and in theory the fact that the show takes a statement of the personal lives of the people on this ship is gonna be a big driving force for the episode that's interesting it's about the stuff, but it's also about people. You guys, it's about the people. Orville does a great job of that, making the show about the characters. Mm. Very human drama. I did have one other thing, though. Oh, it was what you were saying, uh, Jaren, about uh, about it falling flat. My take on on the last act is, um, I mean, I mean, this whole episode started with this random thing that came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, like Troy's randomly starting to get married now. And, and you were saying this while we were watching that, you know, how come Riker didn't know about this? Aren't they supposed to be like Imzadi, like tied to the hip, you know, kind of thing. Like he had no idea about this. Uh, and so, you know, but if you think about, if you think about, I mean, so, so the episode was already starting on dubious footsteps from that perspective. But, but my, my take was that in, in life there are, well, I guess it can be best summed up as uh, what's the, what's that phrase? Uh, facts are stranger than fiction. Uh, um, what, whatever that quote is. Yeah, truth is stranger than fiction. Truth is stranger than fiction, and so um, you know, I I just know that to- if you ask anyone, if you you know, everyone's had experiences where just you know the randomest things have happened. You know, like the things that people can dream up in fiction are so much more convenient and kind of smoothed out, you know, but in real life, you know, the, the, the most random things that you would not think about happening happen for some reason, even though, even though it seems like that they shouldn't, you know, you know, even things as mundane as, you know, I was at this intersection and I dropped something and, you know, and I was distracted for just a second and somehow that helped me miss a car crash that happened right in front of me or something. You know, there, there are these, you know, that's a really small, like the smallest end of the, of the spectrum of examples, but you know, there are things that just randomly happen, you know? And so, you know, and so it's not totally odd to feel like, you know, Hey, this person just dropped a bomb a message on me and I didn't even expect this you know that's Troy getting like her wedding gifts you know and at the end you know with with uh, uh, Wyatt going off with with the people on the bubblegum ship you know there it's like I, I would have for your even f- with your best planning there are still things there are still just random things that you just can't account for uh, you know and that just happens all the time through life I, we probably don't see them all the time but from from a people like if i was to put myself into data shoes 
and talk about this episode. It's like, well, you know, these, these things actually happen. Uh, you know, I've had people who, you know, were going on one path and something totally changed and they, you know, just went into some totally different direction, you know, that, that no one would have foreseen or no one would have, you know, guessed or planned or whatever, you know? And so, so when I saw the start of this episode and the conclusion, you know, it did seem like that they kind of came together, the, the front, the like leading randomness with Troy's marriage with the end randomness of the guy going off, you know, but those, those things happen. Truth is stranger than fiction. So it's like, oh, I can totally relate to this. Um, I think for for me, it's um, in and certainly some of this is is just speaking like in in a storytelling sense. Um, and yet, like stuff like that, like happens. I don't know about like your literal dream girl coming to life. Um, but no, every day, <laughs> every day. Um, yeah, but weird things happen, but I'm like, but, and it, for a story and stories mean something different to everyone. To me, some of like what's interesting and important about a story is, especially a story with characters is that we see and interpret meaning through the interactions and choices of the characters um, rather than just like saying something or just something just happening. It's like, it's the interplay and between people and the decisions between and the, and the choices that people make. I think that's what helps like, yeah. And if I'm in a situation like this, what should I do? And it's like, well, it's possible if you get caught up in a situation like this, some random thing just might happen. I'm like, well, that might happen, but like, that's not, that's probably not what's going to happen. But even if that, like, it's kind of his thing where like, he, he never really makes any choice about anything. Everything just happens to him. And sure things just happen to us. But I think from a storytelling point of view, I'm like, I think it's important to see characters making choices based on interaction. I mean, he chooses to go over there, but of course he's going to go over there. Um, I just feel like it's everything. It's just kind of that is just handed to this character and he never actually has to deal with the situation at hand. How do I deal with my family? And then his dream girl shows up and just pulls them all away. And it's like, but that's not going to happen for most people. And it's like, if so, if, they set up the situation of like, how do you deal with your family in a situation like this? And just kind of pull out the rug from under you. It's just kind of like, well, hopefully that happens. <laughs> but if that doesn't happen, um, you know, how do I resolve a situation like this? Well, I think, uh, I think, I think we're talking on the, I think we're actually agreeing. It's mm-hmm. just that I'm, I'm on the, I, a lot of, or pretty much everything that I've said uh, in this podcast so far is I'm talking from the extreme, like, I agree that this episode, if you zoom in to like the 10 foot level, it's just like, what has happened here? This is all very janky as a concrete use case. <laughs> none, of, none of this works <laughs> from, <laughs> you, you know, in the, in the context of the episode as itself, as a production in line with TNG and trying to develop these characters for this new TV show. I, I totally agree with you that, you know, it's like this, this was some sort of weird janky execution. I'm not exactly sure what they were trying here, but uh so you're on like the very concrete end you know but i'm looking at uh, my my version is looking at this from the like 
10 light year version you know or i'm i'm not even in the in the in the atmosphere of earth i'm just way way looking at that just kind of like really squinting to see what's going on here uh, <laughs> that's the light <laughs> from earth 4 million years ago <laughs> yeah 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 so if you do that then i think you can you'll probably be able to see where i'm coming from but then if i zoom in and just land boots on the ground then i, I i'm totally i totally agree with you it's like oh man what is what is happening? Why is Riker on the rock in the holodeck? This makes no sense. This is all very dumb for all the characters. You know, this really doesn't do a whole lot. You know, why is this bubblegum ship here? I, I totally agree. I think what, even though some people would disagree, Major Barrett as Waxana saves it from being a complete waste of time, I think. Just because even if you don't like her, it's like she got a lot more personality than still most of the cast at this point <laughs> without her it's like a, a school play drama or something yeah. Well, yeah. Just, yeah. I, I would, yeah yeah she brings just a lot of she's still going with that tos bombastic theater like you just said like she's very big in her and her movements and they're all so kind of I don't know. I don't want to say stiff, but they are kind of stiff still at this point. And she just gives zero Fs. Zero Fs. We should bring up real quick. We did ask when we're watching this. Loxon a, a couple times brings up, oh, yes, Captain. Of course you're attracted to me. Oh, my old valet. He had pornographic thoughts about me. Oh, like the father-in-law. He thinks about me naked all the time too. And the question we had was, is she just fucking with people? Or is she actually being truthful? Somewhere in Picard's thoughts, he's got a dirty mind for Troy's mom. <laughs> you know, I kind of, I kind of feel like she exaggerates, but she doesn't ever strike me as a liar. I feel like, to some degree. And every case of like, oh, you're attractive. She is, and they mention it like she's quite an adept telepath, even among Betazoids. And I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if she's just pulling on something, a kernel of like, oh. you know. And looking at Picard's mommy issues in season two of Picard, yeah, they deconstruct. It's like, yeah, that tracks. That, that totally tracks. Do you think at the end, like when she's like, Jean-Luc, even Vigo didn't have such thoughts about me. And you see just how he pissed off he is. Do you think he's just having thoughts of like, if I could just put you in leather and bend you over and take this whip and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's, it's this BDSM thing like, oh, Troy's mom, fuck you. No, I think that's Patrick Stewart thinking like me, like, what is this episode about? Why am I here? <laughs> he, he he even literally says in this episode i am not amused i'm like yeah actually this whole episode picard does not seem amused by anything he's in a rotten mood so is Riker. oh Riker is very just this whole episode i was having such a good day with my with my digital maidens oh my yeah his little holographic what are they doing? Just playing like harps or whatever? And, and admiring him. <laughs> they have the admire face. 
<laughs> My wife wow. makes that face when I do the dishes. I get the admire face. Mm. I actually thought that I actually wondered if uh, one of those two women on the holographic display was actually the, uh, what was that? What was that woman's name? The title of the ti- the planet woman. She had weird, some weird name. Oh, oh, Electra's Electra Ryan. Electra Ryan. Electra Ryan. Yeah. Is that a title or is that her actual title at plus name? Or I don't, I don't. I'd have to look it up. Part of me just likes the idea that her name was Electra Ryan. <laughs> she, I thought she was actually one of those people on there. I don't, maybe he had like a little gift from like Haven merchandise shop or something. And, and I don't know, <laughs> but I was like, is that the same person? Yeah, I thought it was like Elector Ryan when you first. Elector. That would make more sense than Electra. Carmen Electra. It's Carmen. <laughs> um, this is one of only two episodes where Commander Riker is called Bill. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, she says Bill. Hey, Bill here, and she says that one other. T- there was one other one other time in the in the series. She says it, but that's it. Bill, Bill Riker. Um, it's the only time we see the official dining room of the Enterprise D. At least, and it's like full mock up. That whole dinner scene. It's not ten forward where they usually do those scenes. That's the that's the that's the ship's dining room. Yeah, they weren't coming in the big side doors. They were coming in from a normal passenger door um i think you kind of see this set again but kind of being used in a different context this is the only time you ever see it being used as like the official dining room um aaron this goes back to when we watched the last outpost um i don't know if you noticed but the the face on the wedding box belongs to armin shimmerman the actor who plays cork no and this episode was filmed before the no. last outpost so that is his first official star trek appearance you humans are so easily fooled <laughs> um kind of fun how he's really early in next gen and then comes back years later in these space nine that's amazing the silver box face is, is quirk that's so fucking funny mm-hmm. um we also get to see mr home for the first time mm-hmm. <laughs> the, who who has his only line of dialogue in this episode thanks for the drinks this is the only mm-hmm. episode that's yeah, it it's the only time he speaks oh my gosh man i do not remember why is some some of my uh remembrance on details are different that's that character, man. What a choice. <laughs> if that's what we're going with. <laughs> the super tall, pale dude that doesn't speak. That that's what exactly what we need for this character. <laughs> her valet. Her big tall, silent alcoholic <laughs> valet. <laughs> Maybe it's like water for his species. It's like, well, hydrating. Um any other final thoughts on even how do we feel this does as just generally setting itself? Does this, is this a great showcase for Star Trek being a family show? <laughs> just the giggle. <laughs> is this for the family? Is this about the family? Is this about nothing? <laughs> uh, I would say that this, this episode in particular is a good showcase of family from a, an adult perspective and no, nothing more like dealing with family yeah 
That ends up usually being the case when when Deanna and her mom get together. Yeah. It's Deanna like, ugh, my mother's so bored again. She's always so bummed out about it. She yeah, also mentioned they do mention her accent. They they briefly talk about her accent in this episode. Oh, that's it, right. She did. I missed it. Yeah. So, because clear because clearly Loxana, um, is just speaking in a regular American accent, <laughs> and so it's like, oh, that's so is that a Betazoid accent? And so they briefly mention that, um, but I guess that's what her dad sounded like. Ah, okay, so that tracks. So that's fine. But then when you see her dad later in the show, he's just a regular American guy. <laughs> it's like, where's the, so in the end, where the hell does that voice come from? So he's he's been living in Seattle for a while, so he mm-hmm. lost the accent over time. Okay, thank you for being our first remote guest. Um, it won't sound like this for you at home, but this was a much longer evening than it was originally scheduled for. But <laughs> Well, after getting all the technical stuff figured out, I think we finally put it all together. Yeah, that's good. And thank you for being um, our guinea pig. And for, this is probably as good as any kind of thoughts can possibly be on Haven. It's what we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. If someone uh, if someone has some deeper thoughts on Haven, I would I would like to hear. <laughs> let's let's just throw them up in the Discord. Yeah, we uh, we had a TED talk on Haven. Do you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Twenty four seven Haven content. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to Haven Stories. Today uh, we're watching episode two nineteen Haven. Haven. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> um all right well our journey into the growing pains of the next generation continues next time with the big goodbye the big goodbye this is going to be our first dedicated holodeck episode yeah or more accurately our first holodeck gone wrong episode which quickly becomes its own weird subgenre of <laughs> Right. <laughs> Star Trek, the holiday goes wrong. Should these be aboard star vessels? Probably not. <laughs> A lot, there's lots of time that goes by between all those stars. You got to do something. I guess. Go into super VR world. Create your own universe. Oh, man. Um, yeah, look forward to watching that one, and we will have a new friend on for that one as well. Aaron, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Jim. And, um, I'll do this again, and hopefully we'll have some more remote guests um, going forward. Um, friends here and friends, all of you out there. Abroad. All right, we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share us your own Star Trek story, you can email us at storiedstartrek at gmail.com, or you can visit our Discord server, You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.